myth, magic, medicine, and everything in between. Two doctors talking. Hello, welcome to Myth, Magic, Medicine. This is Denise Villan-Mejia, and my guest today is Dr. Stephanie Byerly, an academic anesthesiologist, certified life coach, and published author who helps women take back control of their lives. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you are an anesthesiologist, right? So, but are you specifically OB? Yes, I, I uh, specialize in obstetrics anesthesiology, take care of some really, really sick pregnant women. What led you to that? Was there anything specific or it's just fascinated you academically? I actually, in medical school, thought I wanted to be an OBGYN. And then when I did my OB anesthesia elective, I loved anesthesia part. <laughs> so I went into anesthesia and then I actually specialized in neurosurgical anesthesia and did some extra training in that. And so neural anesthesia for neurosurgical cases. And then uh, my chairman said to me about, well, it was probably eight years ago. He's like, I think you would be great in the OB anesthesia arena and being the head of this team that takes care of very ill patients. And at first I was like, oh gosh, I don't know. I haven't done this for a while, you know, since re since really residency OB anesthesia. Mm -hmm. And then I just fell in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be very gratifying. So yes. well, I'm going to sort of put a pin in that because as you know, I'm a hypnotist. So I'd love yeah. to come back to that. <laughs> Some other I things. would love it. <laughs> but, um, but I know that you also work with coaching women, women who are professionals or maybe not professionals, but who feel that they've been traumatized or, or just can't see their way out of issues. Yes. Would you like to talk about how you got there? What in your life led you to that? So um, I, I always wanted to be a doctor. Um, and I finally think I have figured out over the last several years why I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, if you look at the ACEs survey for adverse childhood events, I sort of went off the charts with the number mm -hmm. of them, but I was very ill as a child and also had to take care of my mother uh, when I was about 12 years old uh, who had mm -hmm. a big surgery. Um, I was also sort of marginalized as a child and um, had some said sexual abuse and, and mental abuse with a mom who was very mentally ill. Mm -hmm. And so grew up uh, just in a lot of really bad situations that I had been put in. And I somehow um, still, you know, came out of it like I'm going to be a doctor. And so when I was going through, you know, training and all of these things, met my ex-husband and we had, um, were, you know, happy for a little while, but our relationship got to be very toxic. And he um, was a narcissist and was very damaging situation. And so it was a very sort of abusive relationship. And so got out of that um, and have, have, have a daughter who has an addiction, who's in recovery, who's doing amazing, but sort of lived out all of the things that happen to you when you've had trauma as a child. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was I realized I wanted to help women in a different way. So I, I take care of incredibly sick women, but I've always been um, a pro fierce proponent of, of physicians, women in general, but women physicians, and I've published papers on that. But um, in this journey, what I realized is I wanted to help women in a different way, but I didn't know how to do that. And a mm -hmm. colleague of mine said, you should become a life coach. And I was like, what is a life coach? And so <laughs> I looked into that and I was like, this is it. Like that, it all fell into place. 
Mm-hmm. And so through my life coaching training, I'm a certified coach, but I've really gotten involved in trauma. And so I'm a trauma informed coach mm-hmm. because of what I had been through and what I had learned over my wellness journey of many years. And then finally, which culminated in coaching that when you are traumatized as a child, it's part of who you are. It's actually what happens to you and it's baked into your, your physiology of your body, right. not only your brain, but your physiology and I never understood why I was a very reactive person. I did struggle with anxiety and depression in the past and I was able to work through that, but I never understood why. Right. Until and that, I started- is, that is one of the things I think that, that happens. You, you tend to be a people pleaser because you have to keep oh, things yeah. safe. <laughs> um, do you find that people find you and you allow that you help them recognize that they've been traumatized or do they realize it themselves and come to you? Because a lot of us don't realize these sometimes minor, multiple, 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 but more mi- minor trauma. Um, yeah. Li- yeah. And I'm, I'm, this is going to go out on, on the air. So people won't see my little inverted quotes here, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um, I mean, all trauma is trauma, but obviously there is a, a sexually abused child. Most people would consider a very major trauma, but there's a lot of the smaller, like, Oh, you're just an idiot kind of <laughs> things that repeatedly yeah. get told to you. So well, you know, the, as far as the little T's and the big T's, you know, trauma, one trauma can affect different people in a different way. So the same right. trauma can happen to, and it, and it depends how sensitive your genetics is. And, you know, we are pre-programmed from generational trauma, especially as women, collective trauma of women, that that's already in our physiology. And, and we do know now through epigenetics that if a mother has suffered trauma or has a lot of anxiety, depression, things in the, in, during the pregnancy that that actually gets baked into the baby as well. Right. And my, yeah. my mother had significant um, mental illness. And so I, most of the time, my clients don't know that mm-hmm. they have suffered trauma, but when we start talking about it in a very supportive way, not in a triggering way. And if they do get triggered, you know, ways of course to like embody the safety. And then, you know, if they need for like therapy, trauma therapy is is an, is amazing it's life changing but they start to realize things start to fall into place to them about wow like this helps me understand and i and you know i follow a couple of um really amazing people gabor mate and he uh wrote the wrote the book like basically it's like um when the body says no and mm-hmm. he he has literature through studies to show that most of our autoimmune diseases are caused by unprocessed trauma. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it isn't just autoimmune diseases, it's, it's other, you know, it's so many other diseases, cancer, things that we get. And so when you start to really understand the effects that trauma has, if it's not processed, then you start to realize like, oh my gosh, I am not broken. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with me. And that really and truly, it couldn't have been any other way. Like your body is just trying to keep you safe. And so it doesn't realize that you're not still in the same situation. Right. And all that your body is doing is scanning for danger and you live in fight or flight. Right, you're just, just hypervigilant for everything. <laughs> for everything. And then it's, it's ironic that I chose to become an anesthesiologist and pick one of the most stress-inducing types of anesthesia where my sense of 
constant vigilance, hypervigilance is always, but now two, two patients, <laughs> always two patients, always two and things happen emergently and life or death. And, you know, um, and so, but, but I love to be able to help my clients understand that but this is what happened to you, but there is a way out of it. And the other thing that I've learned that I think has just been so critically important is that um, there's a book called, from Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey called What Happened to You? And it really explains why people are the way they are. And that if people around you are acting in a certain way, instead of saying what's wrong with you, to think what happened to you. And the sense of compassion and understanding for those individuals, but then also for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it, it's truly life changing and transformational. Mm-hmm. I start talking about it. I just I can't stop. Yeah, I can see. It, I can see slightly tearing yeah. up. I think. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because it's just life changing. And if and if the world and like people knew about this, like it's, it's amazing. My mentor when I was a pediatric pediatric training um, used to say the purpose of pediatrics was to make internal medicine obsolete. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what could what do you see going forward if we can help people heal from the traumas they've had. Some of that will decrease the amount of trauma because traumatized people tend to traumatize. But how else do you think we can, as a society, improve the situation? We're we're looking at another epidemic of post-COVID traumas from from COVID itself. Um, Physical abuse obviously went up. Emotional abuse went up. Alcoholism went up. What... um, what do you what do you see, particularly for the medical profession? And so, it's a dirty know, secret for for most people, but doctors it, know how abusive the system is for us. It, it actually is, and I think you know, um, if we're talking about the non medical world, that it's it's amazing, but not happening fast enough that people mm-hmm. are becoming very trauma informed. So pediatricians, ER physicians, police officers, you know, first responders. Uh, counselors in school to try to um, understand quickly what's going on for people and try to get them services for that. Because really one of the first things in healing trauma is connection. So Mm -hmm. connection and community heals trauma. And so if, if you can have someone that actually listens to you, because in our society now, so hard to just sit down and listen to somebody but really be present and listen Mm -hmm. and so even just those kind of things can help people so much and I think honestly everybody's been traumatized in this day and age because if we look at what has happened since COVID it's been a tridemic it's not just a pandemic Mm -hmm. we've had COVID we've had all the racial things that have been occurring and we have had all of the political unrest. And um, through all this trauma coaching that I've had and really becoming more in touch with myself, I am vulnerable um, is to, and to allow sort of the, uh, the guard down that we put up as physicians not to absorb so that we can actually take care of patients as I've noticed some things that with patients of, that are African-American and the, and we know that they get inequities in care, especially in the, in the arena of labor and delivery and post-delivery and things and maternal mortality rate is so high, but I've 
I've noticed certain things when we've had to put patients to sleep pretty quickly for an emergency section about how they wake up. And I mm-hmm. think they're reliving a lot of traumas and it isn't just African-American people, but I notice I've just become acutely aware of, um, I've also done feminist coaching and just the inequities for women of color. And that's really been something that is a new horizon for me because to really understand the levels of marginalization and to really mm-hmm. be like, what, what happened to you and what's happening to what do you think for physicians generally, although we complain all the time about our money, uh, we do it yeah. to each other at least. Yeah. Um, it's expensive to, to be coached if you have, you know, if, if, you're, if you're barely surviving <laughs> to say, would you like to spend this much money a month? Um, and you're talking about people who've been marginalized, people who, who, who are not job secure and yet are being traumatized still and obviously coming from from generations of trauma if you recognize that in as you go by the recovery room and recognize that this is clearly an issue what services are you able are we as a society putting in place for people because mental health care is so underfunded here i don't think we're putting a lot in place but one of the things that i do is go back and circle back with that patient after they've had time to wake back up and because it's a traumatic experience when the baby has to, we have to get you to the operating room and put you to sleep if we have to put you to sleep and have that baby out in five or six minutes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, I go back and just apologize and say, I'm so sorry, you know, but I want to see if you have any questions for me. And I know things happen quickly, um, you know, but just to know that you were safe the whole time and we were there to take care of you. Uh, and this, um, the ability to just connect with a person like that, they just, like you can see, just the stress sort of melts away a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then they don't, they don't perceive it as trauma and have that be another traumatic situation in their lives. Um, you know, if again, co- you know, talking about therapy and coaching, and there are a lot of resources for free therapy and, or, you know, decrease price therapy, the amazing thing I think now is like the ability to look online for resources. Yes. Podcasts about trauma, you know, YouTube, all just all of these things that people can get exposure to, even to just begin to understand how it's affected. I, I think it's quite transformative when people recognize. I, um, I don't know, maybe this will air. I don't know. Uh, I was in therapy following uh, my medical incident. And I had I had to leave medicine because I was very ill, and I was in therapy in part because of the complete loss of identity. Yes, <laughs> it was yeah. pretty traumatic. Um, but I I was recounting a few incidents to my therapist, and she said, "Denise, that's abuse." Right. And I oh yeah, it is. It wasn't just somebody. It was actual abuse, and recognizing that was actually very healing it was it was it, it wasn't me <laughs> well and, and and in the medical profession you know we I love what I do but mm-hmm. the system is broken and all of us in medicine know that and this is why physicians and healthcare workers are leaving medicine in droves and especially women which is very terrifying but we have become in a lot of instances just a cog in the wheel and I remember because I've been doing I've been out of training since 1997 the days when what physicians you know 
when I said it mattered, like it made a difference. And now it's, it's not in every situation that you're able to make that difference. And for women, this has escalated in so many ways because there are so many objective things that happen to women physicians. You know, we have gender pay gap. We Mm -hmm. We get papers published in major journals less often. We get less grants. We are promoted to associate and professor level in academia. There's less deans that are women. I mean, the list goes on and on. So these are objective things that are in the literature, but then we face sexual harassment, get called a nurse, called by your first name. I mean, these are just this is the tip of the iceberg. No, th- those are definitely the small teeth, but enough of them can be very damaging. Enough of them, right? And then, and so, so all, this happens to all physicians, but as women physicians, it's, it's even more prominent and amplified and COVID has amplified that more. I don't know if you know this, you probably do that. More women in healthcare lost their jobs during COVID and got paid more pay cuts than men, more furloughs than male physicians. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this has also escalated physicians leaving because they're traumatized. Right. COVID is tra- I don't know. It's incredible. And I, I tell you, um, we just can't think we can't do anything else. We've been yeah. trained that like, we're so, and then we feel like we feel like we're betraying medicine. We're betraying medicine. Right. If we do something else. But, but there's so many layers of, you know, the, the amount of sacrifice, you know, the yeah. amount of sacrifice that goes into everything you don't do because you've got to get to medical school, right. everything you don't do because you're in medical school, getting to residency, the hours I was trained pre hours too so my hours are horrible I had two children yep. uh, one was yep. born and <laughs> I mean there's some of it's funny my OB would say are you sure of your dates yes I know exactly when I had sex okay because I was unconscious yeah, right because you're on yeah. call where you had to go to work <laughs> yeah. um but so I had one uh, beginning my second year and one at the beginning of my fellowship that was a much better experience because fellowship was shorter hours I was mm-hmm. ambulatory and I had to cover the floors occasionally but we had all of that that we had given up, all of the knife twisting things our kids say to us. You know, so that's part of the women, <laughs> the reason that women are more burned out because they and they take extra call and they take on all these thankless roles and they don't usually get reimbursed for it. Right. They would never ask a man to do that. Never. Yeah. No, there's there's that part, but there's also how can I leave this profession that I've given so much to that I've caused my child to give to right. and how right. can I now abandon it? What, who am I, if I'm not a doctor, you're still a doctor. You're just, yeah, not, I mean, yeah, I agree. Right. But I've gone, I, back, but that's the I'll work that you, you do with your coaching. isn't it? And I have gone back and said to my kids, and this was like probably a month ago. I'm like, I know that I lived out my traumas through you and I'm so sorry. And I'm like, whatever we need to do together to heal that. Yeah. And they're like, we know you didn't do it on purpose, you know, right. but, but they suffered the consequences of that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's really female expectation. I, I think there is, I hate the idea that girls aren't equal to boys. But, you know, it still does seem to be an issue. <laughs> Patriarchy. Yeah, <laughs> Patriarchy is still alive and well. Um, oh, we've yes, had a little, bit, a little bit more of a problem in this country recently than it used to be. 
um, although we were still we were still trying to climb out of it, it then took a, a, several steps back for a few years where it was more obvious. Do you how do you deal with that when you're talking with with your clients? So a couple things. Um, there was there's a woman who wrote this a, a great book. Ledge. So sorry, the glass ledge. Mm -hmm. She's an entrepreneur. Um, her name is, I'm going to say her last name wrong, Iman Abubu. It's called The Glass Ledge. And so there's the external glass ceiling, which are a lot of the objective things that women face to break through, to be, you know, whatever, you know, CEOs or, you know, whatever they want to be. But the glass ledge is actually the internal patriarchy that runs in the background. And so I explained to my coaching clients that even through epigenetics, women have genetic instructions that are passed on to them from the days of the cave woman and cave man, because women had to be attractive to men back then, right? Or you'd get kicked out of the cave and eaten by a saber tooth tiger, right? And so we've learned from back then, and it's passed on in our DNA again, survival instructions. There's another great book called The Patriarchy Stress Disorder, which explains this in detail, but it's fascinating. But so if we think about, um, there's something called white feminism. And that is where if you're a white woman, you think that all women are oppressed the same way that you are. But when you learn about the fact that each level of marginalization, so if you're BIPOC, LGBTQIA+, if you're obese, if you are disabled, if you're ageism, if you're neurodiverse, each one of these is another level of the patriarchy. If you're you know, of a different religion that compound on top of each other. Mm -hmm. And so- now, some, of, some of those, of course, men, men of color obviously have- Yes. Uh, and this, there, this there's, is, it's, yeah, not, this it's is, not just gender specific, but yeah. It isn't, but, but for these, for some of these things, it is gender specific. So I'm just speaking for women, but so women from the day we're born, we're socialized to believe that we're here to take care of everybody else and that we get our opinion of ourselves based on others' opinions of us because we are worth less than men and that we don't have an internal sense of self mm -hmm. and that we only get that from external validation which in addition to other people's opinions of us is puts us on a treadmill for perfectionism where we think we're gonna feel good about ourselves with the more certifications that we get and the more degrees and the more our to-do list is and being a perfect parent. And we're supposed to look a certain way and act a certain way and talk a certain way, but don't get too much, don't be too much because mm -hmm. then we get slapped back down internally as well and externally. And so it's very fascinating what, um, to watch my clients' faces when they're like, just so it's the same as the trauma about, oh my gosh, like this is the stuff that lives in my head, the self-criticism, the self-doubt, always trying to outrun it. And now I understand that it couldn't have been any other way. Mm -hmm. But now through coaching, we learn how to actually break down all the, the thoughts. If we're having 60,000 thoughts a day as a human and half are negative and half are positive, your primitive brain is always going to focus on the negative. 
How do we start to actually look at those thoughts and say, is this a fact? Is this a story? How do I want to think about this? And do I want things to be different? So you get to actually live your life intentionally and understanding all these things that are actually real, but how do you want to deal with it? Mm -hmm. Do you want to, you know, we, a lot of us in medicine get into victim mentality because we think everything is just happening to us and that we have no choice in the matter. But when you become empowered, and that's what coaching is magical about, is helping you become empowered and actually start to love yourself. And that's a process mm-hmm. that because all we do is shame ourselves and we all the shoulds, I should have, I shouldn't have. Right. You get out of that negative spiral all the time. You start to actually love yourself. And then you're like, you know what? I'm coming from a very different place and I'm going to show up very differently in every area of my life, understanding all of the stuff that's in the background. Right. How long do you think that, how long do you think the path is? Cause it's going to have a lot of stepping forward and stepping back, but because it's never, it's never just one message that you're getting. There's, there's mm-hmm. 150 coming at you all Correct. the same time with your subconscious, which is a lot of what I do. <laughs> yes. Getting rid of the clutter in their subconscious so you can be mindful um, but from the time somebody has that little light bulb moment of, of realizing that they've, that they aren't broken, mm-hmm. how long a process does it usually take for them to start seeing some traction with that realization to well, start you, making real change? I'll give you an example. So I, I met this physician at a conference, this woman physician, and she's Latina and we had two coaching sessions, one when I met her. And then when we did our first official coaching session and she was hesitant to apply for a major leadership role because she had been marginalized in a role uh, that she was already in. And it was a comment had been made um, uh, that she was the first Latina that had been Latina woman that had been hired into a role, major role. And after our first coaching session, she texted me and she said, I applied for that role. And it's interesting, isn't it? How people say, oh, you're the first this. Yes. Isn't that shameful considering how many times long there's been Latins around. (laughs) That's what got into her head. And that gave her so many limiting beliefs and Mm -hmm. self-doubt. And so she then applied for the job, but she thought, I know I'm probably not going to get it because actually the person I'm going up against really is more qualified than me. But she did such an amazing job on the interview that they actually called her up a week later and said, you know, we, we gave this role to this person, but you were so amazing that we've created this role for you. Mm-hmm. So when you start because to- you're not, you're not just your paper qualification. Right. There's so and, much more to a person than their paper. Right. right. <laughs> then the, and when you start to show up from, again, that confidence place, it, it's, it's, it's life changing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, um, people see you differently and they will treat you differently because mm-hmm. the biggest I would say the biggest thing that happens is you set boundaries mm-hmm. and boundaries are for yourself and when right. you put when you start to believe that you deserve the boundaries that's when everything shifts yeah because everybody else has to respect those boundaries absolutely so no it is there a difference do you think in the work that you do in leadership because it's really a continuation yes. of the same thing, isn't it? Or is it? Yes, because yes, because women are have been sort of programmed through the patriarchy um, and socialization that we're not good leaders and we can't make good decisions. Mm-hmm. We know 
we know, absolutely know that women are fantastic leaders and in the business world, they save companies and we need diversity in women as well. And there's multiple reasons. We're better communicators, we're better team leaders, but we don't negotiate for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we'll negotiate for people on our team and we'll take care of everybody on our team, but not ourselves. And what happens is because we're programmed that we're supposed to make sure everybody else is happy, we're very attuned to people's states like if somebody in a meeting gets a look on their face we're like oh we did something and we start doubting ourselves or if someone doesn't respond back to an email the right way we we question why did I send that email or something I wrote in that email was I upset somebody and that's why because now on our phone everything is right there 24 7 if an email pops up we think we have to check it immediately and answer because we are supposed to make sure everybody else around us is happy And so what happens is we internally burn ourselves out. So there's internal burnout and external burnout. And we burn ourselves out because we're just constantly taking care of everybody else. And it really stems back to this insecurity and self-doubt because we've been programmed to think we're not good at this. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're just not good, period. Or we're not (laughs) good. Or the imposter syndrome is, of okay, someone put me in this role. And they're going to figure out that they made a mistake. Like, how did I get here? So you're always scanning for this, like trying to read the room and make sure everybody's happy. And, and we take on thankless tasks. So we'll just say yes to everything because we think we can't say no. And then we're overwhelmed with an undoable schedule. Mm -hmm. The biggest part of it is when we realize that everything we do is because we think we're going to feel a certain way. And then you do something and you feel great for an hour and then you're like, okay, what's next? That didn't make me feel great. And something else I right. hope will make me feel great. And it just doesn't work that way. And so we, because we don't feel good internally, we tried to get all this external validation. And when you start to realize that that's just all something that's been programmed in our brains, it's, it's like this weight gets lifted off your shoulders. Okay. You can, you can tell me you want this taken out if you want, but how... Do you see yourself as, as helping women promote themselves into get themselves into leadership positions because that is better for them? They have more control over their lives, or you think that women are better leaders mm. and therefore can can rising tide raises all ships? You got everything would be better for everybody, no matter what category they fall into. Well, um, I think, so I don't think that there's many people that are born leaders, mm-hmm. but I think all physicians are leaders because we lead teams. But if you, and so we have to be able to sort of really navigate the team to have a, a well-functioning team to take care of patients if we're looking in that arena. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about leadership titles, um, women may have more work-life control. I don't use the word work-life balance or work-life integration mm-hmm. when they can balance though from an, an empowered place. Well, I, yeah, it's, it's the fact that you're work. choosing, you're well, choosing to work rather than just feeling you have to. Right. But you also are able, when you don't have to have the work consume your life at home, then, mm-hmm. then you can be effective and you can have it all. Um, but women are made just amazing leaders. And so the more women leaders are, and especially the diversity that they bring women of color, et cetera, it's just that we, 
we are better at understanding how teams function and making, allowing teams to function effectively. And we know that women in the business world, again, have saved companies that are bankrupt because of the different thought processes and different ways that we do think and communicate and advocate. And we're, you know, we've been programmed about money that we're not good with money, but we are actually, and this is proven in studies, we are better investors and managers of companies than men. Right, because we tend to look at a more global Right. And so when we allow ourselves to really understand that we are amazing leaders, the sky is the limit. But what I want women to understand is that the patriarchy does not want strong women banding together. It likes to keep women small because if, if, if strong women band together, then we take down the patriarchy and that's not something that they want. Obviously, the interest in any group is going to be to self-preservation. Right. It's fair enough. And there's a lot of men who are also feminists. Absolutely. There's a lot of men who are allies in this fight. Right, and we need them to understand and to jump on the boat with us without, this isn't coming from blame. It just is. This is None yeah. of this is blame. It's just the well, way this that is, life it is. is. It is unconscious bias. Another plug for my work, but... Yeah, these, this is the way a boy was told to act. And so he grew right. into a man that will act this way. Yeah. And men suffer greatly too and benefit from coaching because can you imagine how men are from such a, a young age are really you know raised to believe don't show your feelings and that makes you weak, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, but we do need men to help us spread the word about this is what women face. You know, this is the internal things that women, and, and again, yes, men, um, they, they have things happen to them too. And I, again, I'm not trying to say that men don't, I'm just focusing on women because that's mm-hmm. my, my focus. Uh, but women, um, yeah, women just don't, uh, they're oppressed. And when they start to learn how oppressed they are, even though we've made such strides, there's still so much. And then with the recent court ruling, you know, these things are all weighing on women greatly. Yeah, that's, I, I guess we don't really want to be political, but yeah, it, yeah it's terrifying. Yes. Um, have you seen a difference in your, in your workload? Com- um, I have the, not. I'm sorry, I've forgotten which state you're in. What, I'm in Texas. So. Yeah. Um, Frontline, yeah. But I'm the, um, I'm the chair of a women's committee for a large medical organization, and it has been nonstop Mm -hmm. since that whole um, ruling. And especially as an anesthesiologist, we participate in the care of new women. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just think people don't understand all the ramifications, sadly, of what this is going to mean. Okay. Is there anything else you would like to say? So you, you're allowed to give a plug for your business here. Talk about oh. your business. Tell people how to contact you. It will obviously be in the show notes with the links. But, but thank please, you. Uh, um, I've had a wonderful time talking, and I, I get very passionate about this. So, um, but my my business is called the Physician Healer, and it's at the Physician Healer on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. And um, if you go to my website, which is physicianhealer.com, you can book a discovery call. But I love to coach, you know, burnout is my, is one of the things that I'm passionate about because I, I struggled with 
couple of episodes of burnout back before they talked about burnout um, and as well, the trauma and the leadership and the feminist coaching and just really wanting to help women become empowered and not just women. I coach men as well. And I don't coach just physicians, you know, women professionals, um, because we need to understand how amazing we are and mm-hmm. we deserve to be happy and have joyous lives and have control back in our personal and professional lives. And what I say for physicians is that so you don't have to leave medicine because yeah. you don't have to. But if you do, if you decide to, you do it from a very empowered place and not a place of I'm just going to go the grasses are greener over here and then you take your baggage with you and it's the same. Right. You make a decision after coaching from an empowered place that you're going to do that. Right. Thank you so much, Stephanie. That was Thank very- you. Lovely talking to you. I look forward to the next mixer and finding you Thank on the right you. table. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us at Myth Magic Medicine. If you have found this episode useful, you can apply for free CME credit through the link provided in the transcript. If you're not a medical professional, please remember, while we're physicians, we're not your physicians. So please consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you have heard might apply to you or a loved one. Until next time, bye-bye.